0: This is our last week in a series we've been doing called Why Are You a Christian, where we've been getting uh, diverse perspectives from fellow Sparkers and um, reflecting on you know, their journey of faith, what has been great, what has been challenging, and um, it's intended to to very much be uh, an open dialogue with all of us in the community. So uh, Pastor Kevin has been leading these discussions. I'll be doing that today. And some of you may know that uh, my wife, Christine, used to be a uh, TV and radio news reporter and anchor. So I will be channeling her skill set (laughs) today. In managing this, but I, it won't be any trouble at all because we have with us uh, a dynamic presence of uh, two of our board members here at Spark. We have Pamela Simpson and Jason Primith. Yeah. And uh, and this will be great. It'll be uh, less uh, monologuing um, from you know somebody like me or someone else on the teaching team, and we'll be able to get some perspective from our leaders uh, in our community and to hear some of their thoughts. So in this series, one of the one of the opening questions that we've kind of been throwing out to get the discussion started really is it revolves around this basic question of so. You know why did you become a Christian or a follower of Jesus or uh, however you, you know you want to describe that? So I was thinking that same way we've done in uh, previous uh, installments of this series. Maybe we can start with Pamela. If you could you know do in five minutes, can you share how you became a Christian? Like what were the you know the major influences factors that you had to consider uh, and you know share your story?
1: Sure. Well, um, as far back as I can remember, I have been um, a part of, of the church. When I was very young, um, at four years old, I was a part of my first Easter service. Of course, I forgot my speech, but, you know, <laughs> who's counting? Um, when uh, my family moved around a lot, so when I was about... Um, Six years old, we moved to Texas, and we stayed there for a little while. I don't really remember going to church very much there, but a couple years later, we moved back to the Bay Area, first Menlo Park, and then um, later on East Palo Alto. So um, during that time, after moving to East Palo Alto, we joined a church there. I have uh, two sisters and a brother, and we all uh, attended church together. But it wasn't until I was in the fifth grade where I had this friend that, um, even though I was involved in church, she kept saying, I, I, you're not saved. You're not saved. I'm saved. And I was intrigued by what is this she's talking about? What does it mean to be saved? And so that caused me to start asking more questions. I had um, a couple of pastors in my church that um, were, were close friends of the family. One was... His name was Reverend Mothershed, and he used to do handiwork around our house all the time. So I, I asked him tons of questions, and um, I decided I wanted to be baptized. I decided I wanted to be to have a closer relationship with God and just kind of um, dig in and, and, and find out what, what this is, is really all about. So that's how i began yes my yeah. christian journey yeah
0: thank you for sharing that i think that that story is is particularly meaningful for so many of us who who have had always been in uh, a community of followers of jesus but nevertheless you reached a point where you made it your own like where the decision to follow jesus was something that you personalized and like uh christians before you for centuries baptism was that like that moment of allegiance and and entrance into the community so that thank you for for sharing that uh jason let's let's try it same same five question yeah in five minutes yeah, five minutes. Five minutes. yeah right. if See you could kind of <laughs> describe how how you became a christian it's, it's pretty boring actually um <laughs>
2: i grew up in in minnesota in a traditional evangelical environment you know safe stable home and, and i saw that faith lived out pretty well um which is, not, is something i don't take for granted um and so, um, but I didn't really sort of take ownership of my faith until later. Um, I think sound, sounds like Danielle and I had a similar upbringing. Like, I really got um, more interested in, like, junior high, and I was, I was like the kid starting the campus Bible study and doing, like, you know, Friday nights I'd be at the mall with tracks and stuff. Like, I was that kid. Yeah. So, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, judge me now, it's fine. Uh, But then um, later, then I I got... I know that kid. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh, But then as I got into college, you know, you have that chance to kind of step back and, and again, sort of reshape your faith and uh, start to really reassess all the the things you believed. And um, it was a great chance to get a little more nuanced in my faith and understand, like, you know, what are the real core tenets and, you know, putting the first things first and understanding the sort of the cultural baggage we bring that I brought uh, as a... You know, growing up in the evangelical faith and understanding how that sort of have they've distorted what Jesus actually said and understanding the cultural context and, and how, how what he said was understood by the people who, who received it. Um, and uh, yeah, so like Kevin and Danielle have been hugely influential in that. Um, I'm, I'm very grateful. Don't tell them that. <laughs> yeah, whatever you do. Uh, but um, no, I mean, if, if it weren't for them and weren't for Spark, I, I don't know where we would call it home for a church. So. Sure.
0: Yeah. And it's funny, right? You framed it as uh, like the beginning of that journey as I'm like boring because you, you know, feel like it's a story that maybe many followers of Jesus have told. Nevertheless, um, when you describe what you went through like in college and subsequently like having to maybe reshape your faith from the ground up that isn't anything but boring and obviously can be extremely difficult uh for for so many of us to do and you know during that time many people might have just gone in a different direction than you did and um and you know it's helpful to hear you call out some of the influences in your life that kind of you know kept you kept Mm -hmm. you in uh jesus's family along the way it's very cool well so then so that kind of kind of talked about what what brought you all to Jesus and implied in your responses was that may not necessarily be the story of uh, what has kept you in Jesus since then. And so I do want to talk about that for... for, you know a couple of questions. So, you know, Pamela, in, in getting ready for today, we you've been sharing some of your background um, and some of you know your own experiences uh, in your time following Jesus. Um, and you've been through a lot in your professional career, uh, in your family life, and with your extended family, they've been through a lot. And you've also had lots of different roles in church leadership. Uh, over time as well. So, you know, navigating all of those worlds uh, can sometimes cause followers of Jesus to either burn out or become cynical uh, and just think that, that um, you know, after all of that time and effort and challenges you've been through that, that following Jesus isn't worth it. So, um, I would love to hear from your perspective, like through all of that. What has been the most challenging for you in your time following Jesus? Um, and then the you know flip side of that is what has motivated you to stick with Jesus um, through all of
1: it. Sure. Um, very early on, I, I had a, um, a relationship with with a godmother who, um, when I was very young. In fact, I, I brought. Um, oh, the yeah. children's Bible, oh, I got nice. this when I was eight years old, and I carried it with me everywhere I went. In fact, um, a couple weeks after I got this Bible, we, we got into a car accident in a new car, and I was convinced in my eight-year-old <laughs> mind that it was because I had this Bible sure. that we weren't injured and that we you know, came out okay. Mm-hmm. But, um, I love that you still have it too. <laughs> that it has persevered along with this you. This is not the YouTube. same one, oh, okay? Unfortunately, oh, I <laughs> but I did find this um, several years back, okay. and it made my heart leap for joy. I love it. Very cool. <laughs> so I purchased it. Um, but so I've been involved in 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 church since you know very young, and one of the, the the challenges I've had a couple challenges along the way. One of the the challenges that I've had was that. Um, Oftentimes, the people that I saw around me that said they were Christians and that I was around all all the time, um, their profession of Christianity and their acting out of Christianity didn't always match. So when I say that, I oftentimes saw situations where um, there was more judgment than loving and more um, condemnation than, than caring and, 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 and supporting. Um, and I've been in many situations throughout my, my church life where, um, there's been lots of conflict in the church, Mm -hmm. you know, from leadership, from different members of the church. And so when I was very young, maybe in my teenage years, I learned to separate Mm -hmm. my thoughts and relationships with the church and my relationship with God. The the two are very different. So that has kept me from um, losing my faith and and losing my balance because um, without that, early on, my focus and attention was on, you know, I'm following this pastor. I'm following this member. I'm following this this person. And then I found out Mm. we're not perfect, and people fall, and situations fall, and God is the only constant so that that has helped a, a lot
0: yeah that that's so valuable to you know to to be able to navigate through that time when you you know we all realize that the people that we put on a pedestal don't live up to our expectations, and this is again like it, it is part of this theme where it presents an opportunity to become cynical like you could mm-hmm. um, but but then you know having a community that can help you put hypocritical actions in perspective uh, can be extremely helpful and it it can really change things.
1: So yeah, that that makes sense. My second challenge, if I can can, can throw this in, is um, throughout my um, Christian experience, early on, you know, we have certain teachings and and trainings and and what have you. And I was taught that you just listen and you accept things as they're taught to you. And I've always wrestled with that because I didn't always see things or understand things as they were being taught. And um, I kind of wrestled. And early in my college um, days, when I was exposed to a lot of different ideas, a lot of different learnings, um, I had to go back and kind of um, reassess my, my, own, um, my, my own learnings from, from what I had been taught. And so... I always seek for churches and places that I can learn more about God. I, I think that oftentimes we put God in a box mm-hmm. and he's much, much bigger than that. And so my challenge has been in finding people and finding places and finding um, areas that I can learn and stretch sure. and not be caught in just, you know, limited perspectives about right. what God is doing and and who God is working through and, and all of that.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense too and um, I, I'm sure that many of us have been a part of churches where on paper everyone is encouraged to think critically about mm-hmm. what the leader is saying because after all your relationship with Jesus is, you know, like we talk about it as if it's primarily individual and everyone should have their own convictions and yet in practice, in many cases it, it doesn't end up being that way and Um, You know, if you find yourself in a church where everyone does seem to agree on everything, um, that can be problematic. And it's probably not even true. Like a lot of times you're stifling dissent. Um, And so finding a community that is just honest about what's actually going on, that not everybody agrees on everything and we need some space to figure it out together. And it's okay. Yeah, that's right. And it's okay. And and that doesn't mean you're abandoning Jesus um, in doing that. So, thank you. Um, so, continuing with this, uh, this theme of, you know, experiencing challenges to your faith and kind of sticking through it, uh, Jason, you're a, you're a fellow Midwestern transplant to the Bay Area, as, uh, as Christine and I are. And uh, so, you've followed Jesus then across many different contexts and subcultures within this country. Um, and you know, you've, you have have gone through an evolution in your faith since then. So, so in, you know, in that, in that evolution and navigating these different cultures that you've been a part of, what has been the most challenging for you? Like, you know, in this transition and, uh, why have you continued to follow Jesus through it all?
2: It's the language barrier mostly. Yeah. Um, it's been challenging just to kind of, uh, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh no, I, I uh, great Westerners, right? Yeah. Um, so when, when I grew up in Minnesota, um, one key difference um, that I think is, is different than things are now is um, that where I grew up in the evangelical culture I grew up in, there was a real uh, value placed on taking care of the sort of the downtrodden, the oppressed, the immigrants and the refugees and uh, so that was, that was preached in the church but also modeled at home and so as a kid i 'd you know be like six years old and I 'd come up for breakfast and there'd be some person from Tanzania sitting at the breakfast table like "Hi." I'm six. How are you? <laughs> and, and like meet people and understand where they came from. And so as a kid, we hosted refugees from Asia and from Europe and um, Africa and all around the world. And that was kind of normal to me. It didn't seem weird that we'd have families living with us for extended periods of time. And, um, and that resonated with what I saw in the scriptures. So that, so that, that really wasn't a disconnect. Uh, but I don't know if you noticed this, like two years ago, things got really weird. Have you like, yeah. s- kind of seen that? Um, and, uh, and, and there's been this real radical evolution in the American evangelical sort of subculture. And um, that has no longer, that is less, much less of a value. Um, they, they don't put as much um, emphasis on taking care of the refugees and the immigrants. And, um, and it, that was a big struggle, um, one of the biggest struggles I've had in years. And, and trying to reconcile this faith that I grew up in, with uh, and the scriptures which are unquestionably clear on this topic of like God's heart being with the oppressed and being with the downtrodden and seeing the this, this subculture that I grew up in um, it really made it a pretty hard choice to say like, either just walk away and say you know what this just isn't what right. I believe anymore and I'm just not going to identify with that faith or that denomination or whatever or to just double down and, and that's a theme that comes up a lot at Spark. It's just, no, no, this is where I belong. This is my text. This is my Jesus. I'm not going to abandon that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to double down and fight twice as hard as ever before. Um, and so the last uh, couple of years has been a really strange um, but gratifying time to really reinforce um, what I see in the scriptures, what I see modeled out by Jesus and others, um, to really take care of the, the needs of others and taking care of those who are oppressed. Yeah. Um, and, and the blessings have been huge. I mean, it's just... It's not um, the, the, the little things that I've done here and there. I've gotten more out of it. I mean, God, I've gotten to see God and, and through other people. And it's just been it's an amazing blessing. Yeah. Um, but it's still it was a crisis of faith sure. because in a way, our faith, my faith that I grew up in walked away from me. And as a subculture, a sociological subculture. They're the group that's least likely to support what is so abundantly clear in the text. So, um, anyways, that's that's been something I've wrestled with a lot. Sure.
0: Yeah. And you you probably didn't didn't want to bring this up out of humility, but you have been uh, you know kind of helping with a refugee family uh, in our Spark community lately. Um, how, how has that experience been for you? And like you know, helping you make sense of where you've been, where where you are now with Jesus, and all of that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just, um, I was so gratified that I had the chance. Sure. Um, it, like, I, like I said, I get more out of it than, than I put into it. I got yeah. to see God working through these people, and I got to see um, more hope and uh, more opportunity just in their eyes. Um, and so it's just, you know, little things that um, I'm, I'm happy to help. But also, I, I really feel that we are, we're given gifts, we're given blessings, yeah. and we have an obligation to to bless other people through them yeah and i mean the only time in the entire gospel that god talked about sort of the you know the the um fire and brimstone sort of stuff is like well here is at the end of your life and you know you didn't take care of either you did take care of me you took care of me when i was hungry and naked and poor and oppressed or you visited me in jail and all this sort of stuff versus you didn't and like it's not, not really it's not a tough question for me sure so um yeah.
0: yeah and i I love that you framed it as um get like grateful or thankful that you had the chance because I think one of the challenges that can occur like within our community living where we live where even if you you know you've cultivated a heart for the downtrodden and and um you know, victims within our own communities. We're just, we just live in a super privileged place. And just we, the way our lives are structured, we often just don't even see those very people that we, you know, should be all about helping. And so, you know, yeah, absolutely. If you, like living in, you know, Palo Alto in the 21st century, we should be grateful that we can actually have this connection with the very people that Jesus had a connection with. Right. And, um,
2: and and, and also, I mean, living here in this weird bubble that we're in, Um, I want to make sure that my kids see that model I I don't ever want these kids that I brought into the world to think that Menlo park is the world or Palo Alto or whatever. It's not. Oh yeah,
0: I know that you're totally right in increasingly. So it looks less like the rest of the world. And so that presents a challenge in how we pass on our faith to to others as well. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. So kind of switching gears a little bit, um, Talk, thinking about how, you know, you all are both involved in leadership uh, here at Spark. And Pamela, you have been, you've had m- multiple different kinds of leadership roles uh, in church over time. So um, I-, I would love to hear, and, you know, you mentioned this, uh, like an e- experience that you had learning about hypocrisy and leadership, a common uh, objection that might come from people who are, um, Evaluating whether Jesus is legit or not would be, you know, kind of have this idea of I'm cool with Jesus, but not with organized religion. Um, With the skepticism being, once you have leadership and structure, like once you have an organization, that's when it really becomes more about power and control and and it invariably invites hypocrisy. So if you know if somebody was expressing that kind of attitude of you know like that's those are just those are inevitable problems with like an organization like a church. Like what, what would be you know your response to that given you know your own time in leadership in church.
1: Yeah, I I think again it, it goes back to um, listening, just just being open to listen listening and seeing where that's coming from. And I think a lot of that goes back to what I said before, is being able to um, separate a lot of the you know, hypocrisy and the things that, that you see that are expressed that are not necessarily what Jesus, what Jesus is about. So I look for opportunities to, um, to show people the, the real Jesus, to share mm-hmm. the teachings that, that we do here at Spark, to um, find ways of going beyond, you know, those blockers that, that we see every day because that's not representative of, of, of who Jesus is mm-hmm. and the importance of not um, just accepting things on um, sure. face value. And then oh, secondly, okay. um, it's living in a way that people can look at me and say, well, you're not that way. Right. Well, well, you're open and, and you're caring and you're willing to, to help and you're digging into the word and, you're, you know, you're doing these things. Yeah. So the first thing would be listening, and then the second thing would be trying to live, though none of us are perfect, but trying to live in a way that's reflective mm-hmm. of, you know, that constant um, um, wrestling and that constant seeking to, to discover mm-hmm. what this is that God wants us to do, what this amazing thing is that, that Jesus has done for, for us all. Mm-hmm. So just that totally. yeah, that's to support. Great. Um,
0: yeah, so similarly, Jason, um, you know, uh, there, uh, kind of skepticism that may be expressed, um, like for somebody with your story, which can be like in terms of where it began, a pretty common one uh, in this country to say. So what if, you know, the, the kind of thought came up that you're, you're a Christian because you happen to be born into a family of Christians mm-hmm. in the Midwest when it's more likely to be a Christian and you know you're a leader in a church because people who start out that way start out you know on that kind of foot they can do those kinds of things but really it's it's kind of just a it's a circumstance of of just experiences you've had over time building up that were maybe even beyond your control what, mm-hmm. what you know how would you kind of want to discuss that or address it
2: it's true i mean it is uh, kind of um it, there's that natural sort of slide in where you say, oh, culturally this is kind of where I came from. Um, and, and you do have the um, the imperative to either own that faith and live it out or just sort of, mm-hmm. you know, even uh, keep it as a sort of a cultural construct but um, not right. really live it out. Um, but I think, um, just like Pamela said, you, you've got to be, you've got to listen, you've got to be humble, you've got to be open and admit like, yeah, you know what, I do wrestle with that and I do, um, uh, you know, I have internalized my faith. I, I don't just sort of slide into it, but, but I think it's okay to acknowledge that to say sure. it is pretty easy and I could just sort of, um, uh, you know, just naturally, um, slide into those sort of roles.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, so, you know, in both of your responses to this, I think a common theme that many of us can appreciate is that the immediate posture is to not be defensive, right? It's like to say, um, you know, uh, To immediately kind of discount that the objection that I was voicing and to say that, you know, to be upfront with biases and experiences. And I think that that really does resonate. Um, in a lot of conversations when people can just be upfront uh about where they're coming from that makes a lot of sense so we have just a couple minutes left if you know we we can open it up i think we have time for like for one or two questions um just feel free to you know raise your hand um and ask your question i will relay it to the audience so everyone can hear it and so that on the podcast people can hear that as well so uh we can uh, open it up yeah
2: uh, Pamela, you said that you've been in leadership at various times, various roles throughout your ministry or through your life. Can you tell us some of that? Yeah,
0: so the question was for Pamela to kind of expand on the like, different leadership roles that she has had in, in different church contexts over time.
1: So very um, w- when I first started very young, I was in you know youth choir, I was in um, on Ursha board I was on um, in youth leadership positions, um, learning and kind of mentoring under people, and then, in my adult life, I, I have a passion for children I, I just love them, I think they 're the most honest thing there is that 's out there, so most of my adult life, I have spent. Um, working in some capacity in children's ministry. Um, in fact, that's how I met Pastor Danielle. Um, I think it was in um, 2002 when she first came. So we, we've known each other for mm-hmm. about 16 years um, working at, at Safari Kids. But I also have a, a, a passion for for helping people. So the rescue team, um, the Sheba Akeem work that, that we did via... Um, Safari Kids at Abundant Life, and that continues here. Uh, I think that's just a a super important thing. We we did a lot of sharing with the kids. Um, I think that as a part of leadership, you fail if you don't teach the children to come after you. You don't teach some sense of um, compassion, some sense of giving back, some sense of of a desire to, to, to learn more about God's word. So I've done a, a lot of that. And, and then, of course, I'm, I'm on the board. I do um, volunteer for food every now and again. Um, I look for, on the rescue team, we look for other organizations to give and, and contribute to or participate with alongside of as they do God's work. So um, I'm just always looking for a way to... Um, Uplift God. And one of my philosophies is that, you know, I, I work in San Francisco, I work in San Jose, and I see, you know, homeless people, I see um, people with, with, without means. And, and like you said, we, we kind of live in a bubble. Right. And from, you know, many, many years back, I see, I don't see them any different from myself. So the only difference between me and someone who has fallen on, you know, um, rough times is God's grace. So that means I am responsible to take what God has given me um, in leadership and in other ways and, and give back to, to other people.
0: And we, as a community, appreciate you modeling that for us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, yeah. one more question, yep. Jason, you would say that are intentional about making certain choices mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. are aware that they're not in that boat. In that so like, what are practical ways in a lot of the fact that is a great place to, to live and raise kids, but what are the practical ways that parents parent or someone could say hey, like this isn't real life? Well, this isn't
0: like the rest of life. Yeah. So the question is, what are some of the practical ways um, that Jason you have tried to pass on to your kids, like convey the reality that you know we live in a bubble and that there is this world outside of us that's very different?
2: Yeah, I think, Marcus, I should be asking you. I mean, you've, you've modeled uh, such great leadership with, with kids um, for, for a long time. I mean, uh, w- with my kids, um, so it's, it's um, being vulnerable and showing them ways that uh, that we can help out and showing them the importance and where the, the imperative comes from, that it's not just, hey, we're nice people, but, like, God made it clear that this is something that's, that's important and that's the work that God is in. Um, so in terms of specifics that we've done with our kids— Um, It's been doing like small missions type projects with them, um, taking them all around the world and showing them different aspects. And and even around the United States, just different aspects of different cultures, different people, uh, different perspectives in the world. Um, And also challenging our kids um, because it's just it's easy when you're in this sort of culture. Everything is like this, like, oh, this is the way the world is like, no, 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 (laughs) that is that is your small view of the world. Let me challenge your sort of where you're coming from. Um, and so, with our eight-year-old daughter, it's it's a different discussion than our fourteen-year-old. Um, but no, it's just it's constantly being in a dialogue with them um, and challenging their assumptions and my own assumptions as well.
0: So. Yeah, that that's great. And I think too, you know, because you you didn't grow up here, you know, and because I, I think about this as well. Part of our perspective in talking to our kids about things is you know it sounds like an old person thing to do but it's like you, you we live somewhere else you don't know right. what it's like uh you know in other in other parts of the country but it helps that you know when we can be a community of people from very different backgrounds mm-hmm. that means that many of us have have experiences about what this world is like outside of the bay area and we share that together as a community um great so that so actually just just the like a uh, final very quick question for each of you like to kind of you know summarize this uh, and this is like a kind of thing where if you could if you had to like in just a couple sentences summarize um why you're a christian what would it be like just your your couple sentence answer to that pamela if you could go first
1: so my answer to that would be because god knows and loves the me that i am not not the me that i you know, other people sure. see or I pretend or not because I care or don't care or, or do certain things. But he loves the person that I am. And um, because of that, also, I, I've been, you know, like a little Gideon kind of testing different things. Um, and I found and learned that God is worthy of, of, of trust yeah. in, in in every situation, um, if I could just tell this one quick little anecdote, Mm -hmm. there's this movie Aladdin, Mm -hmm. and he's on the, you know, trying to impress the princess, and he has this magic carpet, and you know, he's kind of zipping around, and what have you, kind of entice her to go off with him, and my favorite line in the whole movie is when he reaches out his hand, and he says, do you trust me? Mm -hmm. And she stops, and she thinks for a minute, and she grabs his hand and takes off. And I think God is like that, constantly right. asking us, whatever situation that we're in, his hand is always out there, right. saying, do you trust me? And the more you grab his hand, the more that trust and faith builds. So I, I just love that, and I, I constantly see God as, as always having his hand out for me.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, Jason, same. Uh, what she said. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: I, I think from me, like the, the Jesus that I see in the Gospels and, and the God that I see throughout the Scriptures Um, uh, gives us a view or a a way, a perspective uh, for life. And I think it makes more sense than anything else out there. I mean, we've all tried different ways to approach life, and I I can't, I haven't found anything that makes more sense for the world around us. Um, Not that it's easy, not that it's uh, fun all the time, um, not that it always makes sense all the time, of course, but I think as a more, as as a comprehensive worldview. It just makes the most sense, and and I've proven it out. Just like Pamela said, and you you test it out. You prove it in your life, Uh, and that's what makes the most sense to me.
0: I love it. Thank you both so much. Again, we're so grateful that we could have your all's representation in, in this discussion.